all, hello all, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. I just did a live on Facebook, and uh, I'm excited about that live that I did, and I have a special guest. If you listen to or watch the Facebook promo I just did, first one ever, man, that's why I have an exciting guest on the show today, and I did that live, so go check it out. Um, yeah, just, just, I know Carl and George are out there listening, and so you're watching, and, and again, this connection was made through you, Barbie, and we appreciate it, and like I said on that live, this is your brother, now my brother, Josh, but he's coming on in a second, but before you do that, I got to do my normal intro, Josh. Uh, I am your host, as you know, Officer Antoine Thomas, and we'll skip the yep, that's me today, right? You've heard it already in the uh, Facebook, but listen, I would like to take this time really quick. And I'm going to be moving quick because Josh's schedule is hectic, packed, and he's a family man, too, in the night Saturday, so he's got to hang out with the family. But I got him for a few minutes. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners who are listening. This is a basically I'll call it a grassroots podcast type deal. But please do continue to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast it's on all the major platforms and nothing special, but look out for it. It's real talk. Uh, and if you had not had the opportunity to listen to the last episode, and I know – I stated I was going to do a brief, or I shouldn't say a brief series because we want to take our time. But remembering our fallen, our finest fallen heroes, which is going to be the next uh, title of the episode, we're honoring our falling, and everybody knows obviously the show is centered around policing. So uh, we've had a crazy last two months in officer in the line of duty deaths, and I do want to go back and talk about that because you won't hear it anywhere else, and I've stated it before. Um, there's a few other outlets, but I mean the media ain't talking about it, but we will. I'll move on because, again, time is winding down. Uh, Stay tuned for that, and we'll get back into it. But today I have a very special guest on with me. And, again, if you watch the Facebook promo, you kind of know who I'm talking about. Uh, Real Talk family, would you please give a warm welcome to my friend, my brother now. And someday soon we will meet in person, Josh Sadley. Josh, how are you doing tonight, my brother? Hey Antoine, thanks for having me. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Man, I'm, exci- I'm, I'm excited to be on here with you. I actually saw Barbie last night in an event. We were talking about you. I was telling her I was excited to come on your show, and here I am. So, man, I let, it. I'm excited, and, and it's good to be talked about. I know it was great things, and she said wonderful things about you. And uh, your story is going to be amazing. Uh, you know, we may have to come back on and do another half at some point. But you are a, an extraordinary guy. I had the pleasure of uh, listening to. Your interview with the great Al Dursky himself of Larry Elder, really should be Governor Elder, um, Larry Elder of your state. But what time is it there in California at the moment, man, on the West Coast? It's about 4.50. Beautiful, man. It's 7.50 here in North Carolina on the East Coast. So we're going to... Beautiful weather today. I mean, California winters are the best. It really is like a spring day out there with the kids today playing, having a great day, just trying to enjoy my time. You know, try not to be too stressed about the situation and be a good dad at the same time. But uh, beautiful weather out here. Can't complain. Not only reason to fight for California. Absolutely. Not only are you a powerful first responder, you're a powerful husband and and, and uh, dad. Uh, see, Josh and I had the opportunity before we even started the podcast months ago. We actually got on the phone and spoke one-on-one and kind of got to know each other. And uh, he has a powerful story, and I'm yet praying for him. He's praying for me and all our friends across America and the conservative movement is praying for Josh. And you'll hear why we're doing that so great. Uh, Josh, I, man, listen, I was down there or over there, I, keep, I should say, uh, back in November, and we didn't get our schedules aligned. But 
I'm gonna tell you, Barbie and George said I brought the cold weather with me because it was cold and, and I was I was like I was actually yeah, it was freezing. A cold. We, we, we get a little cold out here, but it kind of short lived, you know. You stay long enough, you're gonna enjoy some good weather out of that too. Well, I do apologize, man. I, I didn't mean to pack the winter in my uh, in my uh, luggage when I came, but I did it. Look, man, I wish we had time to just chat, 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 but we're gonna dive right into the heart of all this, Josh. If you don't mind, brother, just give us a former introduction and again i know we're on a time schedule but the most you can tell us about yourself being a dad and being a career uh firefighter in california and the floor is yours my brother all right thanks uh, I'll, I'll make it quick the introduction because there's a lot of the real good meat we got to get into here but like you said my name is josh uh, satley i'm 40 years old i live in southern california um been in Southern California, moved here in 95 in high school. My dad was in the Navy, so we moved around quite a bit, but ended up out here, thank goodness. Met my wife uh, about 19 years ago now, and we've been married for 18 years, and uh, some of the happiest years of my life, obviously, married my best friend, and we just grow closer and closer together, especially in these uh, tumultuous times. It seems like you know it's a gift from God to, to be closer to her every day, and I am thankful for her. We have four beautiful children, uh, 14, 12, 10, and seven, three boys and a girl. And they definitely keep us busy. And, uh, you know, some of the main, they're a lot of the main reason that I'm doing everything I'm doing right now is for them. And I want to have a future for them in this country that, that is similar to that, that I grew up in and to have, you know, a free nation that they can live in and not worry about, you know, what they're being taught in the schools and being brainwashed or, you know, kind of uh, indoctrinated into a certain mindset that doesn't, you know, teach our kids to question, um, you know, authority or question history or question books, you know, and ask, does that make sense and, and teach them common sense. And so, you know, my wife, Brittany, and I have been doing a lot of homeschool with them ever since the beginning of COVID. Um, and we're going to continue that until we can find a good program. Um, I've been a firefighter for about 13 years. Um, I got into it because I love serving people. I love helping people. Um, you know, I, I like doing something different every day. Um, I also enjoy using my hands and fixing things or breaking things as firefighters. Sometimes we got to break doors <laughs> or cut roofs or whatever it may be. So I love every aspect of the job. But the most rewarding was me as a paramedic being able to go in when someone was having, whether it was just a diabetic crisis, you know, hypoglycemia or, you know, a full arrest. And we're able to go in there and make a difference, whether we brought the person back, um, you know, from a full arrest or we were able to administer some glucose or whatever it is and, and help out that individual. And that really was rewarding for me. And I did it uh, not for praise. I did it not for thanks, but I did it because I genuinely care about people and I wanted to help. Um, you know, it's a great job. Like I said, I was at Beverly Hills for about 11 years. Before that, I worked at a very small um, Indian reservation, East County, San Diego. I was a paramedic before that for a little while. Um, but, you know, I got started late in the game. Um, I, I had a construction background and I did a lot of that kind of stuff before that. Um, but ultimately, I, I was so thankful for being a firefighter. To me, it was the dream job. And to get hired at Beverly Hills, that was the dream place that was the dream department that i could possibly be at and i loved every day that i worked there um in all honesty until august that all changed for me in august and we'll get into that um but yeah i mean i, I love being a firefighter every part of it it was just something that was amazing it provided a great life for my wife and i i was able to she was able to stay home and help raise the kids you know she never had to work um so obviously me um you know losing my job um has been very difficult because I'm the sole, you know, breadwinner. So we have to figure that out. But um, both of us know we're doing the right thing. So um, that gives us peace knowing that in the end. Um, 
But I think a lot of this changed for most of us back in March, right, Antoine? March of 2020. Um, you know, the biggest pandemic was coming down in history. Um, I know in my department, we were prepping for it across the nation. We were, we watched the news every day and, you know, we were expecting to be putting people in body bags. And was that the same for you over there in the East coast? It was indeed. Um, we didn't yeah. get hit as bad as you all did, but, um, or New York, obviously, but yeah, same deal. Yeah. So, I mean, we were expecting it, you know I mean? I remember we did a lot of training back. It was about four or five years ago with Ebola. And so we talked about infection control and as a, as a firefighter, we kind of have to, you know, be prepared for every kind of situation that we can, you know, encounter, even the ones that we can't even think of that we're going to encounter. And so when we were going into this one, we were expecting it to be very bad. Um, I remember our first call we had, it was, uh, it was a positive screening at the time. We didn't have testing. We didn't have PCR tests or any of this stuff. We just had a screening process. And if you had basically flu-like symptoms and you flew from a certain part of the country or the world, you're a positive screening. And so for us, we didn't have any procedures or policy in place yet. So I remember the crew and I, we just put on some extra PPE. We treated the patient like we always do. Came back, we you know deconned, took showers, cleaned the clothes, cleaned the rigs, and then went on with our lives. But I know in the back of our minds, we were all wondering, hey, did we get infected? Are we going to die? Because no one, you know, no one knew what was going to happen. We just heard all the fear, all the fear, all the fear. And that's where it all started. And, uh, you know, we saw, I've never seen images come out of China with people, you know, passing out and dropping dead in the streets. And wow. uh, so, I mean, that's kind of what, that's kind of the beginning of all of this and how it went down. You know, them shutting down schools and churches and shutting down church for me was huge. I've never seen that my whole life. I remember one time as a kid living in, in the East Coast, um, we couldn't go to church because of the snow. And that was like a huge deal because we go to oh, church yeah. every Sunday. Absolutely. And they got, we got snowed out. So for me as a kid, I was like, yeah, finally, you know, we get to miss one pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when they shut it down, it was a big deal. And I remember thinking, well, this is unprecedented. I don't know what's happening with this. But uh, that to me was one of the first, um, you know, red flags. Um, as kind of like around that same time frame, I remember I was at work. Um, you know, and, and when they locked down the state here in California, they locked it down. I mean, there was nobody out. I live about an hour and a half outside of LA and LA traffic is famous. You know, I mean, that's, that's world famous. I mean, right. it takes, they could take three hours to go, you know, 10 miles sometimes in heavy traffic. So when I was coming in during COVID, it was amazing. I mean, it was better than holiday traffic. There was no one on the road. And when I got to work, no one called 911. I mean, it was, it was rare. We would have maybe one, two calls a day, very rare. Everyone was afraid to call, and um, it was uh, it was insane. I, I, it was just kind of an eerie feeling. We're cruising around town. I remember and it was just everything's closed down. No one's around, and Beverly Hills is a pretty pretty uh, busy town, um, so it was a little eerie. Um, we did you know occasionally get a few calls, and I remember one of those days. This is where I had a big kind of red pill moment um, where I went to the hospital. We dropped off a patient, you know, and same deal. It was empty. The nurses and doctors there looked bored they were looking for something to do so we brought him a patient said here here's something to do you know and it was uh, i forget what the patient it wasn't anything serious but as we left i remember we came back to the station we put on the news and they started talking about how you know how hospitals are inundated with covid patients and they're being overrun um you know they can't keep up mm -hmm. and that is not at all what i saw right. I mean, the complete opposite and so I know that I started to research and educate myself a little bit before this, obviously, to see what we were getting into. But after that in particular, my wife and I start, 
researching and reading, but just off of the things that I saw, I was like, okay, stuff isn't adding up, right? The media, I always knew was biased, but now this was a straight lie. And so it started me down a path of realizing and thinking for myself, which has led to a lot of other decisions in my life. But around the same time here in California, um, it was the mask mandates. They started to come around. And I remember so many people would be like, hey, it's, this is a small little thing to sacrifice for the greater good. And they'd always say the greater good. You're not you're not wearing a mask for you. You're wearing it for me. And that was a great uh-huh. manipulation tool to let other people, you know, tell me how to live my life. And I never agreed with it. I never liked it. I don't like infringing on anybody's liberties. I'm a very Christian person. I feel like the God's greatest gift to all of us is our Savior, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice for us. The second greatest gift is our free agency. And when you start taking that away, to me, it's in direct opposition to God's plan. You cannot remove other people's freedoms and liberties. It's just it's not anything that I agree with. And so when they're telling us how to live our lives, and in fact, we have to put a piece of cloth on our face to enter, to get food or to do anything else, it just it really didn't sit with me well. And it always reminded me of a quote that I heard from Benjamin Franklin that said, when you sacrifice freedom for security, you end up with neither, nor do you deserve it. And in reality, that's what we ended up with here was no freedom and no security because we know that masks didn't necessarily work the way that we were told. And most people that wore them, I don't blame them. They were fooled. They were duped. Um, But when you trade anything in and it started with that, you trade in your freedoms for you think security, you're going to end up with neither. Um, and that's slowly how it started here in California. But that lasted, you know, um, a good year before the vaccines came out. Um, but my wife and I, we uh, we kind of saw that. And I knew, I said, if they did this with the masks and out here, it got, it got real heavy. There were some communities and some towns and some restaurants where they were um, vigilant uh, if you had your mask down for two seconds, they would be on the overhead speakers in the store and put your mask up. It sounded like the Hunger Games with the constant propaganda running constantly. Put your mask on, put your mask on. It's safe for everyone, you know, just running this all the time. And it, it's, it, it was exhausting. I remember going to different places and it's exhausting. You know, you think, you know, you oppose it. I'd go into Home Depot without a mask on. I knew I was going to get an argument with whoever there, you know. Um, I think Ikea was probably the worst. <laughs> that was the worst place <laughs> to go to, you know, without a mask. I mean, there was arguments that. with employee, employee, you know, employees. And then and then even with patrons, there was, a, there was one lady there in particular who was picking a fight with us over this thing. And it was like, hey, you know, we were keeping our distance. And, you know, it, it was ridiculous, you know, um, especially being a firefighter. I don't, we don't want to hurt anybody or get anybody sick but there's a certain point too where it's just completely ridiculous you know and that was where we're at here in california it got really ridiculous i mean that was very apparent recently with the super bowl do you see the super bowl the coverage there i'm sure you did i i was talking to everybody about it i said apparently of course we knew that the the uh covid19 was ending but of course and let's face it really ended of course omicron came out but I said, if you never thought it ended, watch the Super Bowl. You'll see that it, 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 it just is no more, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Even though it was the, the AFC Championship game, they got um, Newsom there. They got Garcetti there. They came out with a press release right after Garcetti. They, they, they think we are stupid. They, they think we're do. a bunch of peasants, and we don't know what the heck we're talking about, especially when Garcetti holds it up and says, well, I take it off, and I hold my breath for photos, right? Right. So I'm just like, oh, I had it on the whole time. There's, <laughs> there's photo after photo after photo showing these guys 
And like you said in your promo, it's rules for thee and not for me. That's and it. that's exactly where we're living at. And that goes from the highest level down to the local small level, even at my department. I posted a picture on my Instagram the other day of my fire chief standing outside the day after the Super Bowl. We had the risk manager send out an email. Everyone has to wear a mask inside and outside. Outside, it says if you can't oh, keep six goodness. foot social distance, you got to wear a mask. Ridiculous. Uh, what was that? I said ridiculous. Outside? Come on now. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. And so they were taking pictures. I mean, they're outside, so I could care less. However, they're the ones that are dictating that we follow these ridiculous rules, and they're not following them themselves. I said there's such a level of hypocrisy and corruption that go through our state. It's ridiculous, and I can't stand for it. Um, but, you know, leading – basically, this is all leading up to August of 2021. Um for our department, vaccines came out, and for first responders, they tried to sell in the beginning, like, hey, this is a wonderful thing. You are the elite group that gets vaccines. You're going to be a protected group. Nobody else can have them. You remember that? It was a limited quantity. I remember. Cops and firefighters, nurses, doctors, you guys get first crack at these things. And it was like, I had so many questions about these vaccines to begin with, um, not to mention I already had COVID. Uh, being a paramedic, I have limited medical knowledge, but I do know about natural immunity and so that was a topic that we talked about quite often but it seemed like everyone wanted to shirk it to the side you know especially if you looked at science at the time and now they're changing their tune on that Correct. that you know natural immunity was basically like a foreign concept which for the last beginning of science it's always been a real concept you know your body does build up antibodies to certain sicknesses that are illnesses that you've already contracted and you've overcome so anyways it's a whole other topic but or one other discussion so you know, we're leading up to it. And I remember at that time too, I had all these questions, but for me, again, a lot of my life has been faith-based and I prayed about a lot of major decisions in my life. And so my wife and I, um, we prayed about this and we knew that under no circumstance was I going to take this vaccine. Um, and that was a personal decision that I made. Um, I did see the kind of the writing on the wall with the way California went with the masks. We talked about it. We're like, dude, they're going to do the same thing with these vaccines. It's going to turn from, this is a wonderful blessing to we're going to try to encourage you to do it to now we're going to bribe you to do it to now you're threatened you, you either have to do it or you're going to lose your job and that to me was the most offensive and sense of betrayal i've ever felt because we worked through the pandemic from day one with the first call not knowing if we were going to live through this not knowing if we were going to take it home to our families and kill other people but of course as we went through we realized what we were dealing with um and so it was very uh, offensive to me in August when the mandate came down in LA County, our employer sat us down. My fire chief came down and said, you have to be vaccinated October 1st or, and or. he wouldn't tell us or, but we had the impression that we'd be fired. We heard of course what the LA city council was saying in Garcetti, basically, if you don't want to get vaccinated, you can go find somewhere else to work. So that was the precedence that was set. And that was the fear that was set among all of us. As firefighters who were essential just yesterday now are becoming you know non-essential and disposable or just becoming a number and if you don't get in line you can get lost um but in the beginning for me it was uh it was something i talked about with my wife we kind of knew it was coming but it didn't make it any easier that month of august and september honestly were hell it was a living hell um realizing that you're gonna lose your livelihood um, you know, the stress that was there at work constantly. It's all we talked about, you know, all my brothers that were there I worked with, we were trying to talk about the, our plans and what we would do, where we would go, um, if we could do it, if we could not do it. You know, so many people on the fence not knowing what they would do. We tried to come up with 
a real good game plan on how we could combat it. And, um, you know, prior to that, my, my protest to mandates was not wearing a mask to stores, right? Um, really, the vaccine mandates kind of knew they were coming, but I didn't really know how to fight it other than signing some petitions with America's frontline doctors, try to educate myself as much as I could, you know, talk to people. Um, but I didn't really become an activist until after I was put off the job in October. Um, but during those, those months, again, it was the stress levels were through the roof. Um, my coworkers and I talked about it constantly. My wife and I talked about it constantly. There were several times where I was so sick, um, just with the stress. I've never had levels of anxiety like this in my life. I had to go home sick. Um, I just couldn't deal with the job and, you know, being a cop or a firefighter, if you're distracted on the job, it's very dangerous for us. So to me, we know that was a lot of the discussion too. I'm like, they are creating such a level of, um, of stress that it can be very dangerous for us. If you're complacent, you're not paying attention in a fire or on the street, even with the car passing by, or, or, you know, you have a patient who's uh, violent or whatever it is, and you're not paying attention, um, that can be very dangerous. And, you know, people do die because of those kinds of things. So that was also added stress to it. Um, we were working a ton at the time. There was a lot of force hires. There still are. And so, you know, there's a lot of fatigue and exhaustion along with all the stress. And it was just, it was hell. Um, the chief was telling us that you could have an exemption. He said, yeah, you can get a religious or a medical exemption. Medicals here in California are actually very difficult to get. Um, doctors are limited to a certain number and it's a very small number, less than five, I believe, where they can give out exemptions due to a bill that passed several years ago. Um, for school children, and that was affecting us now. And then the the religious exemption, what he told us in the meeting uh, several times was you had to either be Dutch reformist or Christian scientist. And that was just uh, gross misinformation, and I believe it was to discourage us from even trying to submit. They never explained the process to us. They never had any paperwork for us. Uh, I remember early in the beginning, a lot of us just tried to say, you know, if we can get unity together, nobody show any proof of vaccine well then they can't do anything there's no way they can put the whole fire department off and maybe these vaccine you know mandates would just go away if we all just held you know held the line there's nothing they can do um but you know fear is a real thing fear got a hold of a lot of individuals and you know it kind of turned into i just got to do what i have to do to protect myself and so for us we were really banking on la county la city big you know big brother departments to file lawsuits, get injunctions, fight back kind of for us. Um, we did talk with several attorneys in the beginning, but we're a small department. So, hey, they didn't want to represent us. And uh, we couldn't get, you know, enough organization together because it was a really short time frame. So we put a lot of faith in these religious exemptions to buy time um, because we know that those aren't permitted either. Um, and so we, we did that. We went that route. We submitted them um, under the you know, instructions of our attorney. And we had to subject ourselves to uh, interviews, which really felt like interrogations, um, where we were sat down with the head of HR and her attorney, and then the association attorney. And the head of HR asked us a few questions about our religious or our religion and why that would preclude us from having the vaccine. And in my interview, I remember asking her, you know, what criteria they were using to judge these interviews. And, um, she kind of laughed and giggled and she deferred it to her attorney and she did the same. And then she said, we don't have any. So no criteria said, okay, 
this is interesting. And my buddy's interview, he asked, well, what kind of special training do you have? And that was, you know, something I was also very curious about. And of course, I didn't get to ask. I was very nervous in mind. I was very hostile. And they didn't have any special training. Um, so we found out that was the last week in September. Mine was the 28th. We had on the 28th, the 29th, and the 30th. There was 22 exemptions, 22 interviews. On September 30th, we found out that eight of those were denied and 14 were accepted. Um, and in, in the interview that, or the uh, email that I received, it didn't say anything about a reason. She just said, she just said, uh, <clears throat> yeah, she just said that, Hey, I reviewed it and I'm going to deny it. Um, so that's kind of where we were at to that point. And, uh, there was eight of us, um, that were left with that decision of whether we were going to run out that night, get a vaccine, or we were going to, you know, hold the line and not uh, do that. Um, ultimately two of those guys got medical exemptions and then the five other ones went out and they get vaccinated. So I found out the next day I was the only one who didn't get vaccinated. And, uh, I got an email that day saying I was put off on leave without pay relieved of duty. Um, so that was October 1st. Wow. We're five months later, I'm still sitting here in this same position that I was then. Wow. You know, Josh, you've said a power pack and, and for the listeners, you all don't know this, but Josh has basically talked through the whole entire deal of the questions that I had to answer due to our time frame. And he's spot on. I mean, he's knocking it out of the park. Uh, he has hit it from when he started to when this mask and vaccination mandate hit uh, the country, but not only, of course, the world, but we're speaking of America and then hit California. We all, if you were watching, you saw how um, authoritative and uh, dictatorship and all the things that make up a tyrant person uh, like Governor Newsom. And we know that he was found at the most prestigious restaurant probably in the world um, at the French Laundry, uh, seen with a group of his uh, folks with no mask at the table while others were at home, as Josh said. You know, Josh, you said something and listening to the great Larry Elder, uh, Alderski, as we like to call him, okay? Governor Larry Elder, he talked about going to work as an essential worker every morning. And uh, what's that stretch of the highway, the big part of the highway everybody's on? Is it uh, I-5 or something? I, what's the name of the major highway? The 10, the 10 freeway cuts right through L.A. Okay. That's the one. He says, man, you could roll a, a bowling ball down the entire highway and not hit a person or a car. He says it was that dead, and you, and you spoke on it. Yeah, everybody locked down like crazy and that was all part of that reset and the test the government was testing to see was people going to uh, do what you exactly said cower down and hide and they did they really yeah. did it uh that this virus scared them so much and we never we want to throw a quick disclaimer out and i know i'm speaking for josh we're not saying people didn't die from this uh from this uh, man-made um uh, what we want to call it um not disease i guess pandemic but we call it the pandemic. Uh, we know people died. I know people personally who had family members that passed away, but they were due to comorbidity issues already, right? Uh, I also had COVID. Uh, I lost taste and smell, but I survived. Uh, my church was also shut down as many others in the state, Josh, and we were the only church when uh, it was overturned by a federal judge here uh, who represents North Carolina in our district, uh, which I forget what district we're in now, but uh, or circuit, I believe. Anyways, he, he, over, he, he, he struck it down from Governor Cooper and Immediately, a text went out that it was overturned. I passed to open the church back up the next day. And we've been open. I think we're like at 92 weeks or something like that. And we are moving strong, Josh. But we're coming up on a break. Josh, I'm enjoying it. 
wish we had three hours just to go through this stuff. And I know that the <laughs> listeners, yeah, it's power pack, man. I know the listeners are enjoying it, but we have to literally go in about uh, two and a half minutes. So I want to end this way for this moment. You are, of course, listening to Real Talk. If you're not aware, just by chance, you happen to click on something and we popped up just to let you know. This is Real Talk, and I'm your host, Officer Antoine Thomas. And I do have uh, the great firefighter himself all the way from Beverly Hills, California, Josh Satley. Today's show rules for me not rules for thee and i think it's a perfect befitting moment josh talked about it i mean these these particular uh officials all the way up to the governor says you wear the mask i don't have to um and 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 the, the gentleman what was his name again the one that says he he goes ahead and takes a breath and i don't even know yeah. garcetti was, eric garcetti mayor of la he holds his breath he holds he his takes breath a photo without his mask that's what the man said he said he holds his breath and, and of how course how stupid are we? He'll be dead. And then, of course, we know about uh, the great, well, he calls himself great. I, I, I would assume when he's in the mirror looking at himself. I'm the great Gavin Newsom. You remember when he took the picture with, uh, well, he tried to blame it on, of course, Magic Johnson. Oh, Magic wanted a picture with me, and I took my mask off for the picture. Uh, no, no, I, I don't really know that if Magic really wanted your picture. Maybe he did, but most likely you wanted Magic's picture. Let's talk about it. <laughs> but look, but look, we get ready to leave. We got to go. Uh, I got to let you go. And for those who are saying, I just don't want Josh to end. Yeah, he's not. He's coming back. I'm coming back. I'm your host, Officer Antoine Thomas. And again, Josh is up there. Josh, sadly. So as we continue to share, like, and subscribe, I want um, everybody at the moment, since we're going on a quick break, call a friend or family member, send them this particular episode. One of the greatest ones that we've done. And we've done a whole lot of great ones, but we're talking about the vaccination. And in case Facebook wants to uh, deplatform us, guess what? You can't do it because we're not even on your platform right now. Um, of course, you can probably Joe Rogan us, but um, we're never on your team anyway. So there you have it. Look, this is Real Talk. I'm your host. Come back. We will be back in a moment. Welcome back to Real Talk. I'm your host. I have Josh Sadly here with me, and we're rocking and rolling. We're tearing things up, okay? So let's go, Brandon, by the way. I got to say that because it's a great saying. I mean, and, and listen, that uh, particular anchor doesn't know how much uh, of an impact she made when she made that stupid comment. But anyways, we'll leave it there, right? That's not what this show's about. But it is about ruse for me and not ruse for thee. Um, so... Or I should reverse it, ruse for thee and not ruse for me. That's really what we should be saying. So we're going to dive back in. Josh is tearing up the scene, so I want to keep us going. We don't have much time left for him, and I want to get him back to his family. So, Josh, thank you for coming on, and you have really made an impact. And I know people are driving down the road as they currently listen to this podcast saying, when is Josh coming back? I just love this story. It's powerful. And so we want to start back. Josh, you ended, and you were talking about the HR division and when they put you on hold and you have been the only one waiting in the ballots allegedly the only one that hasn't taken the jab or the Fauci ouchie tons of names for it and you're still waiting you've done your hearings and you're waiting to hear back and I know you and I were texting 
back and forth the other night. I was checking up on you, and you stated, look, I think they're playing games with me. I said, sounds like those idiots are playing games. But the ultimate game is that you win uh, in the end. But that's in the future. But, Josh, let's move forward. Um, as you look at it, drop us back where we left off as uh, you state that you're waiting to hear back what the, your fate will be. Yeah, so uh, October 1st, I was put off on uh, leave without pay. I was relieved of duty uh, via email. And since that time, I've been in the same exact position. Uh, we've, of course, filed a lawsuit. The association filed a few grievances. Of course, I had a, a labor attorney, but I also hired a civil attorney that uh, sued on behalf of about 22 of us firefighters there uh, against the city of Beverly Hills. And most recently, the association made a deal uh, with the city back on January 31st. And that same day, I had my Skelly hearing, which was here in California, we have a firefighter bill of rights. And uh, there's there's a national equivalent with a lot of uh, firefighter or fire agencies. But basically, we have a job that's protected. I have a property right over my job to where they can't technically just fire a firefighter. You have to go through a process. And so when they first put me off, they violated that process. Um, being put on leave without pay, for those that don't know, is a, is a punitive measure. And to get to that point as a firefighter, they have to follow the Firefighter Bill of Rights, which means that they have to have you know, a good reason or cause to do that. And until the moment of my Skelly hearing, which is an appeal process, they had to put me off on leave, on, on paid leave, administrative paid leave. So, for example, if I, you know, had a DUI, show up drunk to work or anything like that, they would put me off on paid leave, do the investigation. Then the Skelly hearing is my opportunity to appeal, you know, to why, what I did, you know, explain myself. And then after that, they would determine my punishment. They went right to my punishment. They put me off on leave without pay and I sat and I waited until January 31st where I had my Skelly hearing. Um, in the in the uh, hearing, it's usually, uh, it should be represented from the fire department. You would think that the person is gonna terminate me, the fire chief would have sat in on that meeting, but he did not. Uh, and again, it just shows the lack of his character. He doesn't believe or take any ownership in any of his department right now. And I can go on and on about his lack of leadership, but that was very obvious to me in that meeting. Um, after that, they had about 10 days. They were supposed to get back to me or the attorney, whether they decide to reinstate me, accept my exemption that I put out there at, you know, in September that they denied. They, they would have to change their position on that, which I don't see them doing, or they'd have to go forward and terminate me. Um, but I still haven't heard anything. And I think a lot of their play from the beginning was to put me on unpaid leave, you know, try to starve me out that somehow I would submit to their will, I would change my mind, um, or I'd have to quit, and then you know they think they're off the hook on a wrongful termination suit. So um, those are that's kind of where I've been sitting this whole time, and been waiting to find out what they want to do. Um, it's kind of been. <laughs> it just shows. I think to me, it just shows the level of evil at the city. They just show that that we mean nothing to them. When just a few months ago they praised us as, as heroes. I mean, I can't tell you how many of the city officials and city council members, they love taking pictures with firefighters. I mean, every politician wants to sit there with the firefighters and get their endorsement because the community loves firefighters. Correct. Uh, I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I'm just saying it's that true. we show up and we handle all the problems and we love to do that. And we'll do it with a smile on our face, however we can help. And we offer a level of service that's, that's really bar none. I mean, in our community of Beverly Hills, I remember helping old women off the floor back to bed 
we'd do their dishes or cook them a meal or go shopping for them because they didn't have any food. Wow. Um, you know, we would help clean up. I mean, we do this stuff. So we, we, again, we don't do it for accolades or for praise, but we do it to help that individual who can't take care of themselves. And then, of course, we try to get them in touch with, you know, whatever social services they would need um, to, to go forward. But again, I mean, you know, people rely on firefighters who are trusted profession for a reason and that's worldwide nationwide and then locally in beverly hills in la as well it's it's no different so for these politicians to use us abuse us for their own political gain you know take these pictures with us on september 11th you know which is a very holy day for firefighters of course with the 343 and also the police officers who died in the towers Correct. they're taking pictures with us and then just shortly thereafter they knew that they were going to be firing some of us or denying our religious exemptions i mean shame on them right this is a level of selfishness and evil i think um that just really gets exposed when you kind of go through and see what they're doing I mean, they've ignored all of our grievances. I mean, they've done everything they can to just really um, uh, push back really against us into forcing us and coercing us into taking the shot. Um, and it's it's really been a battle. It really has been a battle. Um, but they activated me. I think they thought I would go away quietly. Um, you know, firefighters were very compliant uh, culture, I think. I think a lot of us want to just be nice people and good people. Um, but they took advantage of our goodwill. And for me, that night they put me off. I remember looking at my wife and our plan was to go to Idaho. We were going to sell the house, go to Idaho, and I was going to build houses and just leave it all behind me. But that night I remember looking at her and we just had this feeling like, do we stay and fight or do we pack it up and run? And we both wow. felt we're going to stay and fight. Amen. We just stay here. I don't know. I didn't know what it looked like. I mean, that was that was October first or September thirtieth, actually. And the climate then to now was totally different. I was the only one. Um, there wasn't a lot of these school kids standing up. There wasn't the trucker rally. There was none of this. And so it was like if it really was scary. But again, I had a sense of peace. I knew God was going to protect us and put us in the right path to do what we needed to do because I know we were doing the right thing. And so. Uh, yeah, that's what really activated me. So I've been on the warpath of you know, uh, going to rallies and attending events. I'm going to be lobbying with legislators, you know, trying to help, um, you know, a new governor get a seat. And so, you know, in interviewing with Larry Elder and a lot of other opportunities and with yourself and just trying to share my story and hopefully inspire others that they can do it. I'm a regular guy. I'm a regular dad, a regular firefighter. I don't claim to be anything special but I know what's right and I have to do it at all costs because my freedom is worth more than a paycheck. And I know others feel the same way. And others are, you know, rising to the occasion as well, whether it's doctors, nurses, police officers, you know, high school kids, whoever it is, these kids are standing up against these mandates and I want to be there to encourage them. We've been going to school board meetings. I mean, everything that we can go and attend, not to mention the whole social media campaign and media campaign. I met with numerous news sources and news outlets to help share the story and expose a light to what Beverly Hills is doing. Um, I think it's gone really well. They don't like any bad publicity, the city of Beverly Hills. I mean, they trademarked, you know, the name Beverly Hills and everyone just thinks glitz and glamour and, you know, high dollars. Well, the city council there, yeah, they care about those things, but that's all they care about. They don't care about stepping on the little guy, you know, to get there. It's just a true level of elitism that runs through that city. Um, you know, shoot, not long ago, they're, they supported a police chief who basically violated every kind of discriminatory 
act you can think of. I mean, you can check the newspaper on mm. this. There was sexual discrimination, racial discrimination, religious discrimination, age discrimination. She was guilty of all these things. There was 20-something, I think, counts brought against her, lawsuits filed, uh, over $7 million they lost her out of payout. And wow. the city, to the day she left, they protected her reputation and their own reputation. They hired the same PR firm um, that, you, that, that uh, represented R. Kelly and Harvey Weinstein. So this is, oh this is the city. They care about their name and their reputation, and they care about making money. That's it. They do not care about the little guy. They do not care about people. Um, so again, when I was out there kind of exposing what they were doing um, on social media, uh, it was getting a lot of attention. And I know that they didn't like any of that. You know, but uh, I'm going to continue to to expose what they're what they're doing. But I'm also working against these mandates. I'm trying to express, you know, put a light on what's happening. Um, recently, during Omicron, it was really a blessing. Omicron exposed their narrative as a fraud because it didn't matter if you were vaccinated or unvaccinated. Everybody got uh-huh. Omicron, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was sick. Um, there was a mass shortage of firefighters, police officers, first responders coming around October, or I'm sorry, December and through January. I mean, that's pretty much gone now, but it just rolled through the population and it didn't matter. It didn't discriminate. Whoever, whoever, you know, was there was going to get sick. And so that really exposed that these shots didn't do anything for anybody. Um, not to mention, I mean, shortly after they became available, we, we discovered that it doesn't prevent um, spreading. It doesn't prevent really even contracting you know, COVID. So as a common sense thinker, you know, what's the point? If I'm taking this protection so I don't prevent it to patients or I don't spread it to patients and it doesn't do that, then why would I take it? And then, okay, well, maybe I take it for my own protection. Well, it doesn't even offer that. So it really became a level of, well, what's the point of the thing? And that, in, in my mind, if I've already had COVID and I've recovered, then I didn't, you know, it was another level of just common sense thinking as a firefighter. We're pretty pragmatic, but we, you know, solve problems and we think on a basic level. We're blue collar workers. So that was a very simple question that was answered very early. And it's still the same thing. And it was obvious through Omicron. It didn't matter. Well, you know, Josh, the deal is, uh, and before I, this escapes me, you talk powerfully about how Omicron, uh, Omicron came through. But you know what's amazing about that? that I've missed it until this moment. You know, it's amazing how, of course, Dr. Fauci and the powers that be, they stated this is going to be the most contagious strand. And it's amazing that they knew that under what circumstances, being that this was a new strand, which means they didn't have a lot of research. How did they know that most of the country would catch it? Which happened, right? Which happened. Um, That tells you right there when you put two and two together that this is a man-made deal. There's some people behind the labs with the white coats on doctoring this stuff up for them to have all that information at their disposal in a short notice like that uh and then to see it go forth i mean it tells you right there if you're blind you will you you will see that this was man-made brother and 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 there it was it popped out to everybody that's the only thing they got right they said it's going to spread like a wildfire you know all about wildfires right being in california and uh, being a firefighter but they said, but the 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 um, infection rate of, of, of someone catching it and dying is very low at this point. How did they know all this? But going back to what I was going to say before I forgot this. See, the reason and I preach this, Josh, and maybe I'm wrong, but the way I look at it is the reason why this vaccination is being so heavily pushed 
outside of any other uh, vaccination that we've ever come across or in the words of President Trump and the likes of which we've never seen. I like saying that. Um, I'm going to steal that from you. think President Trump will allow me to use that? But at the end of the day, he hadn't trademarked it yet, so I think I might be able to use it. But at the end of the day, this vaccination was purchased by the government under, and we got to remember, it was done under the Trump administration. So the government paid for all these vaccinations. And with anything... When you have a surplus of it, and I talked about it on previous shows here on, on Real Talk, is that at the end of the day, when you have a surplus of things and it's not moving quickly, what do you do? You find other ways to get it out. Because you remember they said that the uh, the youngsters wouldn't need it from, I forgot what, 85 to, what, what, I forget the age that they talked about. Um, but they said that, that we wouldn't have to vaccinate them. Well, because the adults wasn't getting it, they pushed it down to the children and that's where we're at with it josh look i'm going to continue to stay on i know you have to go i have greatly and thoroughly enjoyed the show and i know that all the listeners here um who listen and subscribe to real talk has enjoyed it let's do it again josh what do you say at some yeah. point absolutely there's a lot more to talk about we've been busy we've been on the warpath fighting this thing so thank you for your time thank you for what you're doing all those that are listening you can take action you can do something you got a cell phone you can educate yourself you can educate others you can attend these events um if you can't find yourself doing that you can donate to those that that need help uh, these organizations out there that are fighting these things or you can do nothing it's your choice uh, but thanks again for listening and thank you antoine for what you're doing i look forward to talking to you again Hey, brother, thank you for what you're doing. And a real quick two-second prayer. I don't have to be long. I just want to say that I pray that God will continue to bless your endeavors, bless your hands, bless your family, and that you lack anything during your moments of speaking out. And it will pay off. Uh, continue to fight. And we're in the fight with you. Stay encouraged. And I just want to pray for you. And the outcome is going to be victory. Until then, Josh, let's talk soon. Um, let's catch up tomorrow. Enjoy the family. I know I haven't met your wife yet, but you tell her hello, and I look forward to uh, getting in touch with you very soon in person. Thank you. God bless. God bless, brother. Listen, guys, that is what we do here on Real Talk, okay? We make memories, and we talk about things that have to be talked about. Uh, Josh really hit it on the nail. Again, we had a short amount of time. We're on two different um, uh, regions or coast, uh, of course. So he's on the west, I'm on the east, but we made it happen. And I'm excited that we're able to get them on. But I'm going to continue just for a few more minutes. And at the end of the day, we want to be able to share things uh, that are truthful. And the whole deal of my show when I created this show, okay, Real Talk, is that I was going to do just that, talk about things that actually matter and that were truthful, okay? And to stand up. I've always been a fighter. That's what I believe God's placed me on earth to do, fight for his word and fight for others and also fight for the profession I love the most, that is law enforcement. And at this moment, first responders, we're fighting for everybody. And I want to back up and share that a firefighter is very special, police officer as well, of course, EMS uh, and nurses and medical staff that work in hospitals are very essential. As you already know, despite what the government may have been saying at this point, we were essential. Now we are um, easy, um, relevant. How about that? That's the perfect one to say. But what I wanted to say today here on duty, um, as everybody know, I am a cop. I always say it. 
uh, at the end of my shift, about the uh, 11th hour into that shift, or I should say more like the 10th hour, we uh, were dispatched. And, you know, of course, uh, we worked together. Of course, we're not firefighters, but the fire department was dispatched to a uh, outside brush fire behind a residence. And, of course, being a 13-year uh, veteran in law enforcement, I understand my role when a fire is actively um, being fought. job of a police officer is to provide uh, crowd control, block off streets and things like that. Um, and at that moment, I was by myself as it pertains to my agency as a police officer. But I knew um, because God gave me the wherewith and my training experience kicked in. I blocked off a certain road so that people wouldn't have access to come in. Of course, everybody wants to be a spectator when a fire happens. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the work that the firefighters do. There's a job that they can have and, and I know they love it's not what I've been called to do I've been called to be a police officer and I hear it all the time from my fellow police officers uh, firefighters they say man I can't do the job you do and then vice versa I tell them can't do the job that you do but we all have a job and that's what makes up first responding but I watch these brothers go to and fro uh, putting all their gear on rushing taking off their uh, normal everyday uh, uniform boots to putting on their fire gear from the from the uh, uh, fire mask that goes underneath to uh, the ventilation system, the mask, and uh, of course, their hood and the helmet and the gloves, watching that take place. And, and I'm sitting there going, this is my moment to take it all in and watch these professionals do what they do. And for them to coordinate by radio and get up there and say how much pressure of, of water and gallons of water they need to be able to put this fire out, bring more of this fire spreading and this and this, listening to them, um, on the radio channel it's amazing and, and, and you as the citizens only see it by television but you never really get a chance to see what we do in real life and that happened today okay which is befitting for this episode and i know it was god's calling and timing and i'm here to tell you that without firefighters without police officers without uh ems workers without the medical staff from doctors to nurses we would be up a creek without no paddle because we need all of us to make a uh, uniform first responding moment okay shame on you Beverly Hills for what you have done to destroy the wonderful camaraderie and make these particular firefighters and chiefs and everybody else working together turn against one another all due to something that was man-made all due to a vaccination that was uh, allegedly, you know, pushed to the point that we needed in order to survive or so that we don't uh, re uh, reunite or reignite or uh, have a reoccurrence of catching the virus. Uh, allegedly, this vaccination is supposed to cure you. And like Josh stated, we saw Omicron, the most vaccinated people were catching uh the Omicron, which was a strand from COVID-19. So you tell me who's right and who's wrong. Of course, now we're, we are doing what we have always said was going to happen. They're relaxing the mandates. But understand the reason why they are relaxing the mandates because even around the world, they're losing money in Europe. Why do you think Europe's coming back? Because they're losing money. It's tourists is concerned. They can't do it anymore. So now we're seeing that they have run out. They have stretched it out as further as 
far as they could and they want to push it out more for the 2024 election cycle that's the whole goal and they're going to find a way to continue to do that but they understand that the lies have been uh exposed and the wolves have been pulled away from everyone's eyes and if you haven't woken up yet you need to i really enjoyed it josh brother i appreciate you for coming on okay it was beautiful now we saw from the rulings of the dissents that came down from our SCOTUS uh, justices. And for those who say, what in the world does SCOTUS mean? That is your uh, United States Supreme um, Court, okay? That's what it is. Supreme Court of the United States, SCOTUS. That's what it stands for. We saw they ruled and they made a dissent saying that, guess what? It was unconstitutional, but they did uphold the uh, vaccinations for medical personnel, which, again, I spoke about in another episode. I don't remember which one that was, but I said that I was against that. I thought it was a bad ruling. Um, everybody should be under this uh, particular bracket and umbrella. Again, the vaccination should only be given to those who choose to want to have to take the vaccination. Okay. Should I say it again? For those who choose to want to have to take the vaccination. But as I stated a second ago, they had so much of this stuff and still do that they have no other choice but to trickle it down to the kids, hoping that uh, the parents will get, uh, of course, the ones that are afraid will say, oh, my kids have to be vaccinated. Remember, they stated that the kids didn't need it and that the most likely weren't going to catch it. And we've seen that live true. I don't know many kids that has have, uh, who, who, who have had COVID. Uh, their parents have even had it living under the same household roof uh, in the same confined areas and they didn't catch it. So why are you parents? Why are you still allowing your kids to get the vaccination? Let's wake up. Josh, I do pray, like I stated before, that the um, floodgates will open for you and you will have so many agencies listening to this podcast and many others that you've been on uh, in God's time, and will call you and say, hey, brother, come work for us. But it's so great that we have that scripture in our heart that says, whatever your hands so find it to do, um, do that, okay? And, and what that means is whatever God gives you to do, do it with your best intent, best will, but do it to the best of your ability, okay? Because God gave it to you, all right? And so I really have enjoyed this particular episode. It's been beautiful. It's been great. And Josh, just in case you already know, but I know exactly how you feel to lose the job that you uh, worked so hard to be a part of and risk your life to be a part of. I know. I've been there. 2020. Fired from an agency that I loved working for, the most prestigious agency in North Carolina, Wake County Sheriff's Office. But this year will be a defeat, and we will take it back by force. My brother and I, Randolph Beatty, and others that serve on the Randolph Beatty campaign, campaign for Wake County Sheriff 2022. In God's due time and in God's willing, we'll be back there. We got to leave it there, though. I, I really have to go. Again, I'm so overwhelmed by this beautiful episode uh, to the point I had to get up and do it live. And as we dwindle down, as we decrease it down, as we wind it down, I want to tell you this. You have been listening to Real Talk and you already know I am your fine host, okay, Officer Antoine Thomas. That's me, okay? Don't forget it. Don't you forget it. Rules for thee, not rules for me. 
please continue to do one thing for me, and that is listen. <laughs> listen to this podcast. Again, I'm going to be going live soon with podcasts, and so you can actually get a chance to experience it live here with me in my uh, makeshift studio, aka my office, as I produce and bring this show. One man show, one man band for now. Someday, it'll be a full production team. But until then, I have really enjoyed bringing this particular episode to you. As I always say, you know I always say that. And I always say, reach one, teach one. You have been listening to Real Talk. And you know that I am your host because I said, what, countless times in the show, Officer Antoine Thomas. And because I don't believe I said it in the opening, yep, that's me. That is me. Continue to please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast, please. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed it because I did. Josh, sadly again, thank you, brother. And until then, God bless you. God bless our country. God bless, I added another one to this, our law enforcement community, because how can we forget about God blessing and keeping and watching over the law enforcement community? And of course, God, please bless the United States of America. Until next time, stay safe.